G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 1. We are in John Chapter 7, in this verse-by-verse commentary, learning more about Jesus Christ through this glorious Gospel of John. John has a perspective that is utterly unique, and we are so much more the rich because John gave us this Gospel. Really, it was God using John, and we are having a lesson now called No One Speaks Like Jesus. It's based on John chapter 7, verses 45 to 53. I want to read to you just one verse out of this segment, and then we'll read the rest down the track. The chief priests and Pharisees wanted to arrest Jesus. Now, he hadn't done anything wrong except get under their skin, give them a tongue lashing, basically show the hypocrisy that it was so very much laden in their hearts. And so their answer was not repentance and faith, as it should have been, which leads to life, but it was murderous hatred. They wanted to arrest him, and they wanted to destroy him. So they sent the officers to go take him. But remember, his hour had not yet come. And the officers returned empty-handed. They did not arrest Jesus. To which it says in verse 46 of John chapter 7. The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. We're going to learn that when it comes to Jesus, nobody is like him. Nobody comes close to him. He is superior in every way, making him the perfect Savior for our souls and the perfect Lord to lead us to our future destiny, to a kingdom that has no end. That is absolutely right. Nobody speaks like Jesus. And what we're going to learn is several things. First of all, we're going to learn about the failure to arrest Jesus. Because, after all, nothing can happen to a child of God apart from God's will, particularly when the child of God is living in harmony with God. Now, if the child of God is going astray, The Lord has ways to bring him back, and it can be through chastening, through hardship, through whatever, to get their attention, to cause them to wake up, and to return to the shepherd and chief bishop and lover of their souls. That's one thing. But when the child of God is actually living in harmony with the Lord, then nothing can come to that person except from God's will. And it wasn't God's will at that point for Jesus to be arrested to enter into his passion, and to suffer for the sins of the world. The time was near, but it wasn't yet. So there was a failure to arrest Jesus. And that's where we get the phrase, when the officers were called to account, never man spake like this man. And we're going to learn more about this in a few moments. But it goes further. The 
chief priests and the Pharisees become incensed. They're wanting to arrest Jesus, and they can't get cooperation by the very ones who are supposed to be under their command. So they accuse them of being deceived. In other words, they're saying that Jesus is a deceiver, that he lies, that he misleads, that he's false. These are very strong accusations. What John's gospel does, and does it brilliantly, is refutes their lies. Because after all, nobody can do the miracles Jesus did. The seven recorded miracles in the gospel of John, unless he had been sent by God. Nobody could have the authority and the anointing that Jesus had, except he be from God. He has seven I am statements. And let's not forget the witnesses at the end of John chapter 5. Credible witnesses, including the scriptures, including Moses, John the Baptist, the Heavenly Father, and of course, the miracles. Well, they go on to say, did anyone of the Pharisees believe in Jesus? Well, no, but that doesn't mean Jesus isn't legitimate. It just means they are the ones that are deceived and blind. And Nicodemus from John 3 comes into the picture, in a sense, barracking for Jesus. And we're going to discover what was the result. Now, let's read the entire segment here of John chapter 7, verses 45 to 53. Our lesson is called, No One Speaks Like Jesus. The reference again is John chapter 7, verses 45 to 53. Let's listen carefully, because this is God's word. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? Then answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. A reading is from John 7, verses 45 to 53. And our lesson is called, No One Speaks Like Jesus. The drama only is increasing as we get close to the passion of Christ where he suffers and dies for the sins of the world. It is a story that never tires. It's a story that never fails to inspire. It's a story that transforms. So let's begin with verse 45 of John chapter 7. Failure to arrest. Jesus had been teaching in the temple courtyard from the middle of the week-long Feast of Tabernacles. On the very last day of the feast, he gives the stupendous invitation. If you are thirsty, come to me and drink. If you believe in me, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Please note that phrase, rivers of living water. They're not drops. They're not dollops. They're not spoonfuls. It's not even a basin full, not even a swimming pool full. It's rivers 
of living water. And it's in the plural. So praise God for his abundance, his generosity, for doing exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, rivers of living water pretty much said it all. God was offering salvation from sin and a universal permanent immersion of the Holy Spirit to everyone who believes. Even the ancient Hebrew prophets did not have this experience, but they knew of it and longed for it. A permanent immersion, a permanent, shall we say, not just a filling, but access to the Holy Spirit, an anointing that doesn't decrease as time goes on, but only increases. Now, the first person in history to have what we would call an unlimited measure of the Holy Spirit was Jesus himself. And we read this in John chapter 3, verse 34. That's John 3, 34. Jesus was the first one to have the Spirit without measure. Another way of putting it is that Jesus is the first one to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Since John the Baptist himself said that the one coming after him, whose shoelace, or shall we say his sandals, he was not worthy to untie, would be the baptizer in the Spirit. So it makes sense that the baptizer in the Spirit undergoes his own baptism first. Now, yes, he is the Son of God, and he had the prerogatives of deity, but he put those aside so that he could set an example for us. He worked, he sweated, he suffered, he laughed, he cried, he did everything that any other human would do so that he could stand in our place and be a wonderful intercessor, high priest, and savior. So Jesus is the first one to have the fullness of the Spirit, and this is the promise that is alluded to in John's Gospel, indeed all four Gospels, that Jesus is the baptizer in the Spirit. He himself promises to do precisely that in Acts chapter 1, and then in Acts chapter 2, Jesus fulfills the promise beyond expectation. Now, Jesus was offering the very same thing to those that follow him, that unlimited measure of the Spirit. Yet, despite his gracious words and acts of power, he still encountered opposition from the religious elite. In one sense, this is ridiculous. This is the one that the prophets told them was coming. They should have been so overjoyed to meet the man from Nazareth of Galilee. But on the contrary, they resisted, they were offended, they were threatened, they were miffed in so many ways, and they just decided the easiest thing is to kill him. Now, friends, who inspires people to kill people? It's certainly not God. It's certainly not the Holy Spirit. It's certainly not the words of Scripture. What inspires people to do it is the devil himself. Now, the devil doesn't put a gun to anybody's head and say, kill. But the devil can cause such hatred to rise up in hearts that that hatred and that anger is tantamount to murder, which Jesus himself alludes to in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. So his enemies, who happened to be the religious leaders of his people, they decided they wanted to do away with him. Now, not all Nicodemus was an exception. 
He belonged to the class of Pharisees or the sect of the Pharisees. He didn't agree with that. Not everyone did. But this was pretty much the consensus, and they would fulfill their deeds in accordance with the preordained will of God. They will, of course, face punishment for their sin, but God used that which was evil and determined that it would be good, namely, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Verse 46, no one speaks like Jesus. This was a very high commendation. After all, these officers had heard many teachers teach in the temple compound. Yet none of these other teachers came even close to replicating the words of life coming from the Messiah himself. Now, when they said never man spake like this man, the Greek for man is anthropos, anthropos, said with an emphasis at the end of the sentence, which may, not 100%, but may have implied that Jesus was more than just any other man. Nobody speaks like Jesus. He taught with authority and not like the scribes. No one speaks like Jesus. He spoke spiritually quickened, anointed words. No one speaks like Jesus. Faith rises and miracles happen when he opens his mouth. No one speaks like Jesus. His words are the very words of God. His image is the image of the invisible God. His thoughts and actions perfectly mirror that which God himself would think, say, and do. Yes, no one speaks like Jesus. For this reason, the officers found it impossible to arrest him. After all, there is no man like him. Their simple testimony of nobody speaks like Jesus still holds true 2,000 years later. Praise God for that. But, that's not the end of the story just yet. In John seven forty seven, deception. The chief priests and Pharisees were not just offended at the officer's testimony. They were incensed. They asked the question, which was more like a statement, are you deceived also? Implying that the multitude was deceived. Now they caught this bug of deception, according to the religious leadership. Their words implied that Jesus was a deceiver, and that to believe and follow him would lead to even greater deception. Of course, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, Jesus himself is the truth, and those who deliberately reject him, as it says in Revelation twenty-two fifteen, love and make a lie. Then they asked the question, John chapter 7, verses 48 and 49. The question is, have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? Now, it would be more accurate to say, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees openly believed on him? After all, Nicodemus, who we learned about in John chapter 3, verse 2, was a Pharisee, and he secretly came to Jesus by night, and from all accounts, he was a believer, and he was not a vociferous opponent of Jesus like the others. Saul of Tarsus was also a Pharisee who came to faith, though later on, and not before, he caused a lot of trouble for the infant church. 
Implicit in their question statement was a strong note of snobbery and contempt for the ordinary people who are not part of the establishment clique. The common people who neither knew nor kept the hundreds of pharisaical regulations and traditions were despised. The commoners were called cursed because they do not know the law. And in fact, they were even more cursed because they were silly enough to follow the preacher from Nazareth. Even a liberal like Rabbi Hillel, who lived in a time, maybe even a generation before the time of Jesus himself, made this statement, no member of the common people is pious. Now that is as elitist as it comes. As we learn from Paul and Galatians, the actual curse is on those who break even one commandment, however little, and reject the free gift of God and the gospel of Christ. Enter Nicodemus, verse 50. This is the same man who came to Jesus by night. He was one of the Pharisees and was apparently alarmed at their hasty, condemnatory rhetoric. In verse 51, Nicodemus asks in John 7, Does the law condemn a man before it is outlined what he has done wrong? Does it not allow him a chance to speak for himself? It appeared that normal, God-ordained justice was being swept aside in their murderous haste to condemn and destroy Jesus. Even in our day, Western civilization's rule of law, a godsend for earthly justice, is being challenged in the current culture war by ignoring due process, ignoring the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, adherence to identity politics, and so on. Rebels and that includes religious ones, are always in a hurry and will dispense with legal safeguards in order to railroad the outcome that they desire. Verse 52, are you a Galilean? John 7. This was meant to be an insult. The Jewish establishment in Judea and Jerusalem despised not just common people, but ignorant Galileans. Furthermore, they challenged Nicodemus to search and look. No prophet can come from Galilee. The implication is that Jesus couldn't possibly be a prophet, let alone the Messiah, because he is a Galilean. Well, first, they were ignorant of the fact, or chose to ignore the truth, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. And most importantly, he was from the house of David. Second, there were prophets from Galilee. This one I have in mind is Jonah, who came from Gath-Hefer, a village near Nazareth, known today as Mashad. Nahum and Hosea possibly also came from Galilee. And our final verse, chapter 7, verse 53 of John, when this discussion was finished, everyone went home only to live to fight another day. Now our lesson is called, No One Speaks Like Jesus. And our lesson for life is this, whoever hears and receives the words of Jesus loves the truth and life. To reject his words brings falsehood and darkness. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.